Pastor Xavier Reese with this simple truth. Prayer has a purpose to seek the mind of God and prayer has a goal to obey the will of God. If you don't want to do the will of God, then don't go pray to God. But if you go seek the mind of God, remember, He's in heaven, you're on earth, so let your words be few. We cannot have the things of God on our own timing, nor seek them by worldly methods and then say they are the will of God. You understand? Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. What's the difference between striving for a goal in your own efforts and waiting on God's divine timing for accomplishing the very same goal? Well, according to Pastor Xavier, the difference could be life-altering. Today, as he continues his study series from the Old Testament book of 1 Samuel, he takes a moment to point out how important it is to wait upon the Lord. Let's join him in chapter 8 for today's Simple Truth Study. The people have uh, been revived through repentance and now are ready to move further towards the transition from anarchy to monarchy, from judges to a king. But it is to be according to the timing of God. That is key. The timing of God is critical for the perfect will of God. We cannot have the things of God or anything else on our own timing, nor seek them by worldly methods and then say they are the will of God. Often the delays of God are not denials. They just would not be effective out of His timing, such as with the people here that we're going to see in our text as they come before Samuel to ask him to give them a king. God's man was to be David, not Saul. Saul was the people's choice. When we look to a man who's a head taller than everybody, handsome, he's an orator, he can speak, but... It's just an empty suit. But often it's too late once the person's in office or put in the position of power and the people are destroyed. Samuel presents to us here the petition of the people through the elders for a king to judge them, which is laid out for us in three movements. Let me read chapter 8 here. Now it came to pass when Samuel was old and he made his sons judge over Israel. The name of the firstborn was Joel and the name of the second was Abijah. They were judges in Beersheba. But his sons did not walk in his ways. They turned aside after dishonest gain, took bribes, and they perverted justice. Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and they came to Samuel at Ramah and said to him, Look, you're old and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now... Make us a king to judge us like all the nations. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. So Samuel prayed to the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, Heed the voice of the people and all that they have said to you, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me, that I should not rule over them. According to all the words which they have done since the day that I brought them out of Egypt, even to this day, 
with which they have forsaken me and served other gods. So they are doing to you also. Now therefore heed their voice. However, you shall solemnly forewarn them and show them the behavior of the king who will reign over them. And so Samuel told all the words of the Lord to the people and asked them, uh, that asked him for a king. And he said, this will be the behavior of the king who will reign over you. He will take your sons and appoint them for his own chariots and to be his horsemen, and some will run before his chariot. He will appoint captains over his thousands and captains over his fifties. Will set some to plow the ground to reap the harvest, and some will make his weapons of war and equipment for his chariots. And he will take your daughters and be perfumers, cooks and bakers. And he will take the best of your fields, your vineyards, your olive groves, and give them to his servants. He will take a tenth of your grain and your vintage and give it to his officers and servants. And he will take your male servants and your female servants, your finest young men and your donkeys, and put them to his service. He will take a tenth of your sheep, and he will be his servants." And you will cry out in that day because of your king whom you have chosen for yourselves. And the Lord will not hear you in that day. Nevertheless, the people refused to hear the voice of Samuel. And they said, no, but we will have a king over us. That we also may be like all the nations that our king may judge us and go out before us to fight our battles. And Samuel heard all the words of the people and he repeated them to the hearing of the Lord. So the Lord said to Samuel, heed their voice and make them a king. And Samuel said to the men of Israel, every man go to a city. The petition of the people through the elders here for a king to judge them is laid out for us in three movements. We have the demand regarding a king in verse 1 through 9. Then we have the deterrent regarding a king in verse 10 through 18. And thirdly, we have the decision regarding a king in 19 through 22. The demand regarding a king. First nine verses. Notice here, verse 1 through 3, the occasion for the demand is given to us. The event is ascribed by two facts. First is they point out that Samuel was in his advanced years. He was old. Now, you always like somebody to come and say, hey, listen, you're old. The age of Samuel is never given to us, only his birth and his death. Chapter 1, verse 20, and chapter 25, verse 1. Birth and death. But we do have other indications. In chapter 2, Samuel was taken from Shiloh and left there with Eli, remember? As a young child, not a toddler. And he grew up in the tabernacle, chapter 2. In chapter 3, Samuel grew up as a teen, and God called him to be the prophet. Then in chapter 4 through 7, Samuel is a young man, possibly in his 20s. We can't be sure. When God judged Eli and his sons, and the ark was returned after judging the Philistines. Samuel is now old. There is a great gap between chapters 4 through 7 and here. We find this in, 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 in Scripture often. Sometimes 20, 40, 50 years. Nothing is said. Well, didn't nothing have? Sure, but God didn't want us to have it. Unimportant. Samuel is said to be gray, the hoary head, the old King James, old and gray-headed in chapter 12, verse 2. This is all we know about Samuel's age. It's never given to us. 
Now notice the second point is that Samuel had made his sons judges over Israel. We're not told that God appointed or declared their appointment. We simply are told that Samuel made his sons judges. And that always brings problems, as we'll see. Look at verse 2. The identity of the sons of Samuel is by their name and their office. The name of the firstborn is Joel, which means Yahweh is God. Joel is identified as a Kohathite of the tribe of Levi, the father of Heman, the singer in the days of David. First Chronicles 6.13 tells us that. Their two names are also found in 1 Chronicles 6.28 and 33 as a confirmation. Now the name of the second was Abijah, which means father is Yahweh, or Yahweh is my father. And it says that they were judges, notice, in Beersheba. This was where Abraham had sent Ishmael and Hagar into the wilderness of Beersheba in Genesis 21, 14, to separate the son of the flesh from the son of promise. Beersheba means well of seventh or sevenfold oath, where Abraham made a covenant with Abimelech in Genesis 21, 31, when they kicked him out and then they came make a covenant because they saw he was powerful, they didn't want him to retaliate. Beersheba was the farthest southern boundary if you remember in 1 Samuel 3:20 and 7:15 through 17 that Samuel was known and acknowledged as a prophet of God from Dan to Beersheba the most northerly boundary to the most southerly boundary that's the indication now verse 3 gives us the spiritual state of the sons of Samuel the word but indicates a sharp contrast with their office and the disqualification to serve. They shouldn't be there. The particular sins are given, which are four. There in verse three, his sons did not walk in the ways indicating in obedience to God, serving God. His sons turned after dishonest gain, indicating they were living for money, covetous. And his sons took bribes. They were selling favor and judgments. To the guilty, misrepresenting God. Proverbs 17.23 says, The wicked man accepts the bride behind the back to pervert the ways of justice. The law was very clear. The gift blinds the judge. Now, fourthly, notice, his sons perverted justice. They compromised and corrupted their judgment in cases, failing to follow their father. And worse, to follow God. When you're put in a position of authority and power, and I'm talking about in the things of God, if you don't fear God, you're dead. But before you get it, you're going to mess up a whole lot of people. That's why to those who much is given, much is required. Now notice they were much like the sons of Eli. And yet nothing is said to charge Samuel for their conduct in the book. Yet as we saw, God did charge Eli. He did not restrain his children. Yet their appointment as judges is obviously wrong. This is Samuel's part. Family ties can at times blind us regarding the evil of our children or family members. And we are responsible for promoting more evil. 
when we put our children or families in that position. The only reason for any person to be in ministry is not because they belong to my family, is because they're qualified as part of the family of God. You understand? Now, notice the confrontation at the demand is given in verse 4 and 5. In verse 4, the representatives of the nation came to Samuel. The unanimous gathering here is indicated by the term that all the elders of Israel gathered together. The elders were representatives from the 12 tribes of Israel, as you know, and the elders spoke in authority for the people and of the people. The location they came to meet, Samuel, was here in Ramah. Ramah was the home of um, Samuel's father, Elkanah, in chapter 1, verse 19. We saw that. And it's also the house of Samuel. It's given to us in the other chapter and also in chapter 7, verse 17. That's where he lived. Notice the declaratives of the elders to Samuel here in verse 5. They pointed out the obvious. The Samuel was old, as I said. That's always encouraging. My grandson, but. Five months back, looked up, got real close to my face, said, Grandpa, why is your face so old? I said, it's because it's old. You don't like it, don't look at it. <laughs> they pointed out their knowledge of his sons, not walking with God as he, by the phrase, in your ways. Sadly, tragically, some of our children will not follow our lifestyle as Christians. God help you as a parent if you permit your children to be thought of as Christians when they're not and that you don't confront them and that you don't continue to warn them and pray for them. They petition for a king notice. First, to judge them. Absolutely nothing wrong with their request for a king. We're going to see in the law, Deuteronomy 17, God said he would give them a king and he gave them the instructions for but secondly to be like all the nations here's the problem all is absolutely wrong with this request wanting to be like the other nations when they were God's special people the treasure of God Exodus 19 whenever you get tired of being the people of God a child of God and you think you can better your position you're absolutely crazy And you're headed for destruction. As I said, God had prophesied and gave him instructions in Deuteronomy 17 about the king. The problem here was the attitude and the motive. God would give him a king, but in his timing, in the right person. Right time, right man. Makes all the difference in the world. Look at 6. The disappointment of Samuel at the words of the elders. The word but, again, marks the sharp contrast. And the words of the elders give us a king to judge us. This displeased Samuel. Now, look at it carefully. One would think, reading this, that Samuel was grieved that they were rejecting God. But God reveals in the next verse that he was grieved about himself. All of us are human. And sometimes we just think of ourselves a little more highly than we should. 
Instead of the first thing coming to Samuel's mind, they're rejecting God. He says, oh, bummer, they're rejecting me. I'm God's representative. As long as I'm speaking God's word in context, you understand? This pulpit to instruct you and to warn you in the ways of God. Notice the woefulness of Samuel caused him to turn to God in prayer in verse 6 there. Prayer is to Yahweh, the existing one, the proper name of God. Back to the verb form to be that he met Moses there in Egypt. I am who I am. Prayer has a purpose, to seek the mind of God, and prayer has a goal, to obey the will of God. If you don't want to do the will of God, then don't go pray to God. But if you go seek the mind of God, then remember, he's in heaven, you're on earth, so let your words be few. Ecclesiastes. Now notice the permission allowing the demand is given in verse 7 through 9. In verse 7, the response came to Samuel. The authority was Yahweh's, the existing one. The command was, heed the voice of the people and all that they say to you. The reason was, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them. Very, very clear. You can't miss the text. The prophet Samuel is reproved by Yahweh here, first of all, in thinking the people had rejected him. God's reproving them. The people did not want Yahweh to rule over them, but a man, that's always a stupid choice. If you're coming to this church looking to me, you're not very wise. If you're coming to this church to hear the voice of God to direct and guide your life, you're a very wise person. Look at eight. The rebellious history of the people is declared to Samuel. Not that he didn't know it. The people had a divided heart towards Yahweh. According to all the works which they have done since the day that I brought them out of Egypt, even to this day, with which they have forsaken me and served other gods. Listen, everything looked good on the outside. The inside had not changed completely, totally. You can be coming to church and doing all the right things. If nothing's going on right inside, you're deceiving yourself. You have to be careful. I have to be careful. The people had a divided heart towards Samuel also. It says, so they are doing to you also. Now notice nine. The concession to the request for a king was to be announced with certain cautions. God told Samuel that he was to heed their voice. And God told Samuel to warn them in advance by revealing the behavior of the king who will reign over them. Regarding his character before the people and regarding his conduct towards the people. Self-will, it's a problem. On February 27, 1972, a tug named Harold Straits sank near Roberts Bend, Washington, 20 miles south of Vancouver. The tug was raised and thoroughly examination was made. No hole was in the hull. In a detailed report by the county inquirer, J.A. Smith, a naval architect and marine surveyor, expressed his opinion regarding the tug. And it says that the tug was pulled down stern first by her own tow line. What a perfect picture of the destruction people bring to themselves being self-will. Rather than being like that tug is supposed to rescue other boats, it destroyed itself. 
I become self-willed, I bring destructions on me first and others. If I walk in the Spirit, I can rescue a lot. You understand? Wow. The problem of having bad leaders in the church is an embarrassment and no good for the people. In the church today, in our nation and the world, there is a void of godly, moral, ethical leadership. It's a black hole, ladies and gentlemen. There are others in ministry who just want to corrupt the word of God and change the nature of the church as we're seeing. And there are yet others that start well, but they begin to compromise and they disqualify themselves and they end up bad. Listen to Paul the Apostle as he um, is leaving the church of Ephesus. Listen to what he says. Acts 20, 25 through 34. And now behold, I know that you all, among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, shall see my face no more. Wherefore, I take you to record this day, that I am pure from the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare to you all the counsel of God. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he has purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departure shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock, also of your own selves shall men rise, speaking perverse things to draw men or disciples after them. Even the people you're speaking to, those elders, they would rise up. He was prophesying. Therefore watch, and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace. That's good counsel. Which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all men which are sanctified. I have coveted no man's silver or gold or apparel. Yea, you yourselves know that these hands have ministered unto my necessities and to them that were with me. What a commendable witness. You understand? Paul was a shepherd. Listen to Ezekiel 34, 2. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God unto the shepherds, Woe be to the shepherds of Israel that feed themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flock? The tragic result of people having been under evil and ungodly leaders, is that in their overreaction, they attempt to be overcautious so they depend on their flesh and they're kind of, you know, twice burned, twice shy. They're not open to the work of God because they don't trust man altogether. They're just looking to man. They don't use the word to judge the things. At other times, people just quit going to church. And God will hold them responsible, shepherds, those leaders for that. Still other people get caught up in some weird cult or heretical group because they give you that family effect and they just suck you in and suck you dry and use you and everything out of context. The number of people that insist on their own will, making demands on how the church is to be run, what the pastors to do, is always in abundant supply. And they're identified in Scripture for us. They're called Corinthians, carnal people. They don't look to the Scriptures. They're Ikes. I know everything. Listen to Proverbs 29.1. He who is often rebuked and hardens his heart will suddenly be destroyed and that without remedy. That's a great caution to me. The demand regarding a king was an act of self-will. Are you a self-will person? I'd be real careful. 
Pastor Xavier Reese and the importance of waiting on God's timing when following His will, highlighting chapter 8 today from our series in the book of 1 Samuel. Now there's much more to come next time as well, but if your schedule won't permit you to tune in, as always you can pick up a copy of this message, and the title to ask for is simply, Give Us a King. It's available on CD for only $4. And make sure you pass on this study to someone in your church or Bible study when you're through. Once again, the title to ask for is, Give Us a King, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing, Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800 926 1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com